Welcome to the fourth special edition of Boom Goes a Dynamite in the month of July, the AEW Dynamite Review Show here on the PWOM Podcast Network. I'm Jeffrey. With me tonight is Paul Sebastian. Paul, how you doing, man? Oh, Jeff, we're doing so good. We made it. It's Wednesday. You know what that means. I do, I do know that that means, and you know what that means? I, I learned something last night as I was uh, prepping for this show. We're opening the podcast with lessons. Folks, open your ears. Tune in. This is not your normal icebreaker, like we're getting warmed up bullshit. Jeff is hitting you with the knowledge bombs right off the rip. Let's go. Boy, I lived under a misapprehension for decades. Uh-oh. <laughs> and that was... Come clean. Come that, clean, that Jeff. Our, our, our theme music tonight, I thought I would have... Bet money on like you know who wants to be a millionaire or Jeopardy that that was song was by Taylor Dane and it was not. <laughs> oh jeez, that's the worst. Like when you think a song is by someone for like a really long time and you don't. I'm trying to think of a song that like was that for me. I can't think of one off the top of my head, but it reminds me of like uh, uh like in the Kazaa LimeWire days. Remember like the uh, the file sharing oh, website yeah. days when like all the songs were like listed. Like, you'd be like Red Red Wine by Bob Marley. <laughs> right or like uh yeah. uh yeah like brown eyed girl by david bowie or so yeah or yeah i mean well i mean when, when it first came out i thought that um I, I, Linking I, I, Park. Yeah. <laughs> when, when it first came out i would have bet money that uh the funk by daft punk was by the chemical brothers but that, question. But that was because I had spelled with a with a with a K at the end or with a Q at the end. With a K. Okay, I'm just saying if it was a Q, that would be pretty be pretty cool. Yeah, but no, I mean, yeah, I mean, but I mean, in fairness, I hadn't heard of Daft Punk by then, so you know that was, ah. you know early days yet. So R.I.P. Daft Punk. Ah oh, man, so bummed. But no, if I, you want to see a close approximation of Daft Punk, you can tr- you can watch Dwayne Wade's The Cube, where like the Cube people. Kind of look like Daft Punk. <laughs> they got the helmets and shit. Oh, really, wow. seriously. I, I haven't watched it. Helmets, so. jumpsuits, and like they kind of, you know. Yeah. yeah the so, like, there's that. De- like whoever designed it definitely was like thinking about Daft Punk at least a little bit. So, um, yeah. So my my apologies to uh, the group Pretty Poison wherever they may be in this because I I completely negated your existence from my brain. Um, Sorry for negating your existence, Pretty Poison. You're valid. You are valid. You are valid, and actually, this song is a jam. So you know, it's I'm, jam. I'm very glad to. to it's a jam. It's why we used it. Uh, yeah, because we do not use songs that are not jams. I mean, no matter. No, what. we've got certified bangers wall to wall. We were using D Devils. We had to, uh, you know, obviously go with For Whom the Bell Tolls last week uh, to celebrate Nick Gage's entrance to AEW, which we will get into. Uh, in this podcast, which I'm, I'm very excited yeah, we, to talk about. Yeah, we're going to have a lot of Nick Gage discourse uh, we're gonna, we have, in this We have show. Nick Gage to talk about. Um, we have a, a show to talk about. We have some stuff before it. So before we get into uh, Fight for the Fallen, Jeff, do you want to talk GCW a little bit? Want to talk about Homecoming? 
Uh, yeah, I do, because I, I, I still only ever watched night one, but really, that's the night that everybody was talking about. Okay, anyway. I saw most of night two, so I can fill in those gaps. Okay, I, I'm going to get around to night two eventually, but, I mean, I did okay. purchase it on, on, on the Fight TV app. I thought um, there was a lot of stuff worth watching on it. Well, I'm, I'm planning to get there. Uh, I will say this, I, uh, I, I, I am now a fan of Starboy Charlie after that match. Starboy Charlie, Stone. I found out, is like, like... Just 18. Like, he's super young. He's like a kid. He's like he's like a child. He's super ripped for an 18-year-old. Yeah, he is. Well, that's like one of those deals where, like, it's just like a kid that doesn't have mass. I mean, it's my like God. It's like skinny children look like they're muscular. Like, I feel like he's got that. But, no, kid is talented. Uh, he can go. Like, to be that young and have that kind of natural, not just feel for, like, good at doing moves, but he seems to already have kind of a grip on the psychology of a wrestling match, which is – that takes a long time, man. Uh, he's way ahead of the curve. I think we're going to see a lot of big things from him in the coming years. Yeah, I, uh, I feel like Jake Atlas is probably like a, a, a someone I could think of as like a, a potential he can reach, or maybe even higher. Uh possibly. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't see why not. But I mean, yeah, I mean, let, let's face it. Uh, okay, so we all know about that Alex Cologne versus. Uh, oh God, what's his name? <laughs> oh shit! What am I blanking? His Drew name? Parker, the uh, Drew Death Parker. Match. Thank you. Big Japan Wrestling Deathmatch Champion. Yeah, the, the, the yeah the World Deathmatch Champion for Big Japan, which I didn't even know about. And then yeah, he well he won it uh like thirty hours before that match. Yeah. Maybe? Yeah, he flew, like won it. He immediately in. got on a plane from Japan to fucking New Jersey and then defended that title like jet lag. Yeah, it's pretty it, amazing. Drew Parker also like twenty three years old. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and I apologize, I, I blanked his name there for a second, but you know, again, death matches aren't really my scene. That's what I'm here for. I'm uh, good at remembering stuff and violence. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So that that was a fantastic match, although absolutely. Uh, despite whether you have a taste for deathmatch or the violence of it, you really can't deny the storytelling there. And, uh, you know, just what like a hard fought battle was Alex Cologne. Uh, I think one of the most underrated baby faces in maybe all of wrestling crowds. Absolutely love him. He connects with people and, uh, tells great stories. He's, you know, not necessarily an underdog. He's been a pretty dominant deathmatch wrestler for a couple of years. Uh, but you know, he just knows how to put together a really compelling deathmatch. And, you know, I think the knock on death matches a lot of times can be, oh, well, it's just gratuitous violence. You know, there isn't that storytelling piece that you want from your more traditional professional wrestling. But the best at deathmatch wrestling can do that. Alex Cologne, uh, Nick Gage, obviously. Um, you know, I, I think there's a lot of guys. Drew Parker, who we just saw there. Akira, I think, is a guy uh, really good at, at pacing and telling that, stories. That, John, that, 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 there are guys out there. Yeah, not Akira Nogami, obviously. The, uh, no, no, no. The uh, old uh, New young, Japan junior. Akira, the, the American Akira. Yeah. And, yeah, like John Wayne Murdoch. There's a lot, of, a lot of names out there who can put together, I think, a really well-told story in a deathmatch wrestling uh, uh, match as well. This was one of them. Well, I sure. mean, I, I always go back to the the series of matches back in the late 90s and uh, into 2000. Um, between in, in Big Japan, between uh, Ryuji Yamakawa and uh, Tamaki Hanma, who innovated the use of light tubes in death matches, and now obviously that's going to come up later tonight. The fruits of their labor uh, continue to flourish uh, and permeate throughout the wrestling industry uh, into its mainstream. Jeff, oh boy, um, and death. And I would say, you know, we're going to talk a little bit more about Homecoming, but. Uh, Deathmatch Wrestling really got a push towards the mainstream this weekend. There were a lot of eyes on Homecoming, a lot of non-wrestling fan or lapsed wrestling fan eyes on this one, and the show really delivered in that sense. Got a lot of people talking. Yeah, and we, we are going to definitely talk about uh, that, but we're going to save that towards the end of the program when we discuss the main event because I uh, I, I, I have... I I have some 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 points to bring up. Um, Jeff has some tie-ins. Okay, so we'll save we'll save some of that talk. Overall, you did enjoy night one of Homecoming. Overall, yes, I did. Uh, despite some of the gruesomeness. Of it. Um, besides the death match, you want to name like one other match you think is worth watching for our listeners? Oh shit! Well, uh, obviously the main event, which again yeah. was a death match, but we'll, we'll get to that. Uh, we will get to that. Oh shit! What else happened? <laughs> you know, it's suddenly I'm blank. You know what? The, the opener, Marco Stunt and Starboy Charlie, definitely. Yeah, see that's that really one. good. Um, I uh, I was able to catch night two. Uh, night two obviously didn't have the 
you know, insane conclusion that night one came to, but I thought it was a really uh, strongly booked show. Um, I thought it had some really uh, nice matches on it. Uh, Allie catch and Penelope Ford, I thought was really great. Um, Jonathan Gresham and Starboy Charlie also put on Ooh, a real nice match. Yeah, okay. I'm definitely going to watch that one then. A lot of good stuff on night two. So I would say night two, even, uh, uh worth checking out as well. Uh, and that, that was GCW homecoming, uh, which again, we'll get back to when we talk about, uh, the main event of tonight ties directly in with, uh, night's night one's, uh, Nick Gage, Matt Cardona main event. And it's a shocking result. Uh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's get into that. So, uh, on that note, did you see, uh, elevation or dark this week? I did. I watched them both, Jeff. Oh, wow. Um, I watched them both. I tweeted about them both. Uh, at the Boom Goes the Dynamite podcast account, at BGTD podcast on Twitter. That's where I do pretty much all of my AEW programming tweeting. I barely tweet about AEW from my personal account anymore. It pretty much all goes to the podcast account. So I did. I, I watched uh, Elevation and Dark yesterday, uh, kind of back to back. Elevation, over two hours, 15 matches, long show, Jesus. loaded. Yeah, but it had some good stuff in it, okay? So it wasn't all bad. I think it was worth watching, right? Uh, main event was Pac and uh, Chuck Taylor. So PWG definitely is back. <laughs> oh, I thought uh, it was great. It was like a 12-minute match. Chuck Taylor just comes out there, puts out like a 12-minute match with one of the best wrestlers on the planet, makes it look easy, has a really uh, uh, serviceable match. We get a black arrow out of it. It was great. Eddie Kingston did commentary for a large part of the program. So that was really nice too. Uh, Lucha brothers had a match, uh, Phoenix and uh, Penta tagging together, which we haven't seen in a while. So it was nice to watch them tag. You had an Angelico Marco stunt match on elevation. Uh, that was really good too. So a lot of stuff there. Dark was a tight 45 and I really appreciated that. I love a 45 minute episode of AEW dark, uh, capped off by Dante Martin jumping over the corner ring post just straight up leaping over it. And uh, just the highlight of the, the entire show it was spectacular. Um, so there's a couple good things there. The Acclaimed uh, had a trios match. Uh, it was they and uh, Dante Martin. Or I'm sorry, they and Ryan Nemeth taking on Dante Martin and the Varsity Blondes. Uh, so that was pretty good too. And yeah, I would say, you know, try to watch those episodes of AEW Dark that are 45 minutes. You'll usually be pretty satisfied and you won't have to dedicate too much of your time. Didn't uh, the Acclaimed... Uh... Do a certain rap. Oh, yeah. You know what? I should bring that up. Um, Max Caster's rap was it was pretty good this week. But the highlight was uh, Max in Dallas, Texas, uh, opening it up with, yo, it's the acclaimed. And y'all know the deal. The Second Amendment needs to be repealed. Oh, <laughs> boy. <laughs> He's a heat seeking missile, man. I mean, I talk about it every week. He's the best. Oh. If you're not up on what's going on with Max Caster right now, keep your eyes on Max Caster. This kid's a star. Oh, uh, I just like to point out uh, Tony Deppen versus Ninja Mac from uh, Ah, night that one. was also good. And you know what? The the night two tag match with uh, SGC against uh, Ninja Mac and was it uh, was it Jimmy Lloyd or? Well, I don't know. Someone. I didn't see it, so it was uh, someone. It was Ninja Mac and someone else, and I don't know. That was good too. All right. So with that, Ninja Mac got his head busted all the way open, and that was pretty rough. Oh, but other Jesus. than that, great. Stuff. You know he. I, you know I like his mask, and you know he was in AAA not too long ago. At uh, at, at uh, Verona de Escandolo, but it was under a different name for some ah. reason. So he didn't wrestle as Ninja Max, and well, he and, yeah. it, and his suit was red instead of black. So rights and things you see. Yeah, but same mask, you know, the same you know mask face. But anyway, with that, we go live to the Bojangles Coliseum in Charlotte, North Carolina, for our special edition of AEW Dynamite: The Fight for the Fallen. 2021, uh, the annual charity concern from AEW. Uh, this year, uh, Percy is going to Safe Alliance, a uh, a domestic violence and uh, sexual abuse charity in the Charlotte, North Carolina area. And we have your hosts, Jim Ross, Tony Schiavone, and Excalibur. We start right off with 10-man elimination tag match. Uh, Kenny Omega... The Young Bucks and the Good Brothers versus Adam Page and four members of the Dark Order, basically the Super Smash Bros. and the Beaver Boys. Before we get into that, Jeff, let me just say I've been kind of doing like a, like a keto thing with my girlfriend, and every time I hear Bojangles Coliseum, I uh, uh, want to just like tear my windows open and just like run out of my, my house like a werewolf, just like stripping off all my clothing and like morphing into a creature <laughs> of the night, only to... Uh, 
to terrorize the local Bojangles and, and just eat eat them completely out of business. Just all of the Bowberry biscuits and, and all of the three-piece combos and all of the pimento cheese and all of the things there. So I just had to get that out of my system. Let's talk about wrestling. I've never eaten Bojangles. It's delicious. Well, okay. Well, I'll take your word for it. Never eaten there. So, um, okay. So the intro to the match with uh, the Dark Order and Adam Page and their their coordinated wow. gear. Holy wow. Jesus. What a so, masterpiece. I expected something else to open this show, which we'll get to. But this did, and I see why. Like, what a great high note to to open this event on. You know, we talked about this being the fourth in a four-episode uh, run of special events. A month of specials. You know, talked about exhaustion and how that can be a problem. And how AEW has successfully staved that exhaustion off to this point by putting on really good and really well-paced shows. Uh, pacing's really important when we're on, like, a marathon like this. And what a great high note to open up on something that just, you know, the fans are all really connected with. Like, I don't know, man, I, I popped really hard here. Yeah. It was a really well, well done vignette. Uh, I thought it, I thought it was fantastic. And then, yeah, we get to the gear and everybody just looks so cool it and does. so awesome. And they're friends. Je I was ready to do the Kaiju big battle friendship chant. <laughs> just chant. Don't, when they come out, you just want to be like friendship, friendship, oh, yeah. friendship. Oh yeah. But then we get the elite. American beetle join dark order. Oh god. <laughs> um he, he he once laid across myself and, and my honey at uh, Logan Square Arena. But also at twenty in twenty nineteen in twenty doing tokens before. Yeah, well in twenty nineteen he nearly took out myself and my friend Dion who were we were at uh Laboom during Mania nice. Weekend and we all, we nearly got we nearly ate shit from him. If you haven't times. been hugged or almost injured by American Beetle. Are you even a real wrestling fan? <laughs> uh, and then we get the Elite coming out in uh, Space Jam Two, looking Ugh. gear. Oh, guys! Well, but you know, you know what? I, I love the fact that they leaned into the fact that that movie has just been getting pilloried from. from... Well, well, that's kind of the first point I really wanted to get to tonight is what we've really been talking about with the young bucks for the last couple of months here, they're the most insufferable group of guys. And this includes Kenny Omega too. just the most annoying pieces of shit you can possibly imagine. Right. Right. There, a lot of people are calling it go away heat, right? Mm -hmm. You're hearing terms like that. They're the worst. And you ask yourself, why, why would they do this? Why would they be such shitheads? Why would they be so repulsive to the point where I almost want to change the fucking channel when these guys are on? Do you want to know why, Jeff? Go ahead. Here. Right fucking here. This right here is why. Because all of this shit and how much you hate the Young Bucks and how they contrast how incredibly connected you are to what's going on with Dark Order and how cool you think it is. This is wrestling right here. This is all the feelings it's supposed to give you and it's fucking awesome before this match even started i was all the way in they didn't have to do shit and that's one of the you know most beautiful things about pro wrestling to me is when you can get a crowd and get a fan hooked in so hard that you don't even need to wrestle well i i am going to point out the the jersey numbers like you know dot gallows having the most you know obvious one because it's uh, dot gallows which one was it, Jeff? Ooh. Oh, I wonder which one it was. It 69. Oh, nice. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. Uh, Carl Anderson gets the credit for the for the 2012 number. <laughs> yeah, I saw the 2012. Uh, one of the bucks was 777. Yeah. This was like a, yeah, that was the, the Jesus number. Yeah. Uh, is that the Jesus number? Is that's, that why it's lucky? That's the Jesus number, 777. Oh, wait. Is 777 lucky because it's Jesus? Uh, maybe. Holy shit, I never knew that. Yeah, there you go. Whoa, my so, mind's blown. Yeah. Uh, what's the other Young Buck number? 13. Oh, because it's the opposite of 777. I guess. That's the unlucky number. But they couldn't have, have, they, they could have gone 666, though, could they have? Oh, no. Now, the Young Bucks would never put the number 666 anywhere on them or near them. You yeah. think that they would do that? You think <laughs> they would do that? Uh, what did you think of the match? Like, they would like have to like go take a shower afterwards and like go to confession. What'd you think of the match? 
I thought it was really good. I did not expect it to go as long as it did. Um, I, I'm predisposed to enjoying elimination matches. I think they're the right way to do these large multi-tags, especially if you have a story to tell. It's easy to make things look like a spot fest, but like, you know, you you were watching like early Survivor Series, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Why was Survivor Series so good and why was it so captivating at the time? Because they took these existing angles and storylines, they put them all together in this one place, and they kind of let those things play out in the ring, right? They let those animosities and those and those stories kind of weave together throughout and, and like tell a match that like has this teamwork element, but you get all those individual stories in. And I thought this match was reminiscent of that, right? Like it had everyone got their stuff in, but it didn't feel like a spot fest. Um, and it told that Dark Order versus Elite story and that story of, uh, you know, being outnumbered and trying to overcome that adversity of the trickery and these guys resorting to anything and not doing it the right way. Versus, you know, you have this unit that's come together that's trying to support each other and really trying to come through for this guy that they believe in, in Adam Page. Right. Well, and, and that leads us to our finish. But first, I have to note that apparently during the fight, uh, during the commercial break, um, during the picture in picture for, on the fight feed, uh, Kenny Omega would, or no, actually it was during the actual commercial break, uh, Kenny Omega was making riffs on Owen Hart and Kaz Hayashi. <laughs> Oh, so all right. I guess that was going on. But also, I have a note here that uh, Nick Jackson can't dunk for shit, e e even well, when he's uh, leaping from you know an elevated platform. He can't dunk for shit. But you know what? Back to my previous point. Good. Like if he made it, if he did the dunk, it wouldn't be a part of this whole thing. Him missing the dunk is so on brand with everything that's happening here. Right. Like but it's almost like. If he didn't mean to miss the dunk, which part of me thinks he low-key meant to miss it, but if he didn't mean to miss it, that's the wrestling gods just giving us more. <laughs> um, So at one point, it becomes Adam Page versus the, the original elite, you know, Kenny and the Bucks. Um, yeah. The crowd was fucking hot for this. But, you, know who, uh, you know who made the crowd hottest in this match, uh, low-key? Stu Grayson. Oh yeah, Sue Grayson Sue... did some lifting in this motherfucker, man. Sue Grayson. Well, and and let's not forget, you know, John Silver too. John Silver, oh, Johnny was... Hungy. Johnny was hungry. He 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 was Johnny a madman in this no, I match. Thought, and we talk about. I mean, I feel like every time there's like a big Dark Order match, it's always Stu and Johnny that come out like as the X factors in it. Yeah, and I don't think that's a mistake. They consistently are in these spots, and Evil Uno's really stepped up lately. We've uh, given him credit for that, but yeah, uh, Stu Grayson, John Silver. Uh, continue to to raise their profile and uh, show off more for fans. Put more Stu Grayson on television, dude. But now, but now Adam Page but now has been he gets eliminated. That's that. So that's it. So now what? I still think we're gonna find a way to get there, or we continue to play this thing out because it's the best storyline in professional wrestling. Here's the thing. I trust it no matter which way it's going because it's already one of the best things going in all of wrestling. Why not let the storyline continue to play out? If there's a TV show I like and I really like what's going on, I'm just going to keep watching it week to week to see what happens. Okay. And that's what we're doing right I, now. I just, I'm excited to see what happens. And, you know, I trust that wherever they go is going to entertain me. You know, that's we, a, we're locked in. But that's the thing, though, is that, again, it, what did I say last week? One day... The baby faces against the elite are going to get a meaningful win. It still hasn't happened. Yeah, it, even it's not this day. Yeah, well, it is not this day, Jeff. Okay, well, we are we are now into. Tomorrow's not looking so good either. Okay, well, we are in month seven of this. Well, actually, almost month eight now of this angle. That's right, we are. Well, okay, we're gonna we're gonna get to that, but um, you know, they're not afraid. We talk about slow burns, man. They're not afraid to tell a story slowly. And we'll we'll uh, mention that again later in the show. Okay. Well, I mean, and that's fine. But you know, again, I I still have the PTSD from '97, and I I will you know. And, and they're gonna have to they, at some point, man. Hmm? You're gonna have to, this is what this what this is. This is a fresh face. This is a was a new. Uh, a new wrestling world. We got forbidden doors open. You're podcasting about it. You're doing a heckin' podcast. I'm a little bit tipsy, so if I my speech patterns get a little <laughs> i'm just gonna be real man i was getting hard into the topo chico seltzers um in anticipation of nick gage being in the main event of a goddamn aew program so 
I got real excited and maybe a little bit overzealous as it relates to the drink. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, again, we, we're not going to agree on this for right now, but I mean, I, I mean, you do see my point, though, I hope. Yeah, of course. I mean, we, we, we all live this already. Yeah, absolutely. I, I just think that we're so dialed in with this storyline right now and with what's going on that uh, we can we're almost in do no wrong territory at the moment. So I'm just going to let it play out. Now, that that can change on a dime and that can change with any moment or any show. And it's it's subjective, right? This this might be the moment that it changed for you. Right. But it didn't for me. And, you know, one of the beauties of wrestling, this show was kind of about the beauty of wrestling and all the different things wrestling can be, wasn't it? Well, boy, I mean, yeah, we're, we were, we were we, going we to get into lot, that. This this show offered us a lot of different looks at what pro wrestling can be. And with that, we go backstage to Pac and Alex Marvez. He was supposed to have the Lucha Bros with him, but for some reason, uh, the Lucha Bros are stranded at the airport, which brings up uh, Andrade El Idolo and and Chavo Guerrero Jr. Chavito uh, sabotaged the Uber. He canceled the Uber. I don't know whose password he hacked. I don't know how he got Pac's phone. Wait, I'm sorry. How he got Pac's mobile. That's Um, right. His mobby. Come on. (laughs) Wait, wait. Did those chavs nick his mobile? I think so. <laughs> oh man. Too right. Well, you, I mean, you know, okay, look, it's, it's one, it's, you know, part of lying, cheating and stealing is in fact stealing. So totally makes perfect <laughs> sense out. to me. Yeah. He, uh, he, he, they get rid of the Uber and Andrade and Chavo say that they have a limo coming for them instead. They'll be coming in style, yeah, well, which I will say, look, let's give them a little bit of credit. They deserve to be in a limo. I'm not going to lose you. I'm not going to deny that part. Like, I, mean, I kind of almost side with Chavo and Andrade here. And, like, you know, we love Billy Big Fish bollocks. But, I mean, he's right. You got to get these guys a limo. They're stars. Uh, side note for a minute. While we're talking about luchadors, uh, R.I.P. Uh, Brazo de Plata, a.k.a. Super Porky, um, died. Yeah, R.I.P. Not a wrestler I was very familiar with, but he seems like a guy I would have liked. Um, he, he was, he was, uh, he was something else and he, he has quite a legacy because, um, three of his children are wrestlers, if not more, but I only know of three of them. Uh, those three being Maximo, Psycho Clown and Goya Kong. Look, maybe he only knew about three of them. Don't blow up his spot no, 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 because no, he passed on. No, he, no, he had, right. he has at least... some secrets you take to the grave, Jeff. No, no, no. He has five children, but I don't know if the other two are wrestlers at that you know about. <laughs> but also, also don't twiddle him. Maybe he was laying more pipe. You don't know. Again, you don't know. But don't also, speak that. Look, Super Porky, wherever you are, if you were out there laying mad pipe, uh, uh, respect and rest in peace is all I'm saying. But also, um, his uh, nephew was La Mascara, of course, one of the co-founders of the OG Los Ingobernables, which is how we tie this into Andrade. So. A very influential wrestling family that he was uh, about at the head of. So yeah, R.I.P. Super Porky. Uh, we then come back from commercial break and we get uh, Taz with his own platform and a championship parade for uh, for Ricky Starks. <laughs> love that brass band. Let's start right there. You know, I love that shit. I, I uh, infamously recorded one of our episodes from New Orleans uh, recently back in May. Uh, so y'all know I love that shit. This was great. Uh, it was just a really nice feeling. Ricky looked great. This was super fun and uh, it paid off at the end, too. Uh, it did with uh, Brian Cage coming out and smashing instruments, including a bass drum over the he head. He annihilated those band guys, dude. Like, he My absolutely crushed that trombone player. And then he puts the bass drum through the drum player's head. <sighs> you know what? Respect to Brian Cage. This was a really effective segment to kind of build that animosity back and get us going for this Ricky Starks Brian Cage rivalry. Indeed, indeed. And then we get one of the... I love when a title change kicks off a rivalry. Side note, I think that's a fun way to do things, and I think this is going to be a a cool little uh, diversion for both of these guys for a few months. We then get a video message from one ace of a hundred years, Hiroshi freaking (laughs) Tanahashi. (laughs) Jeff. Jeff. Oh, my goodness. Jeff. Okay, so... There are three professional wrestlers uh, for, uh, of whom I own multiple uh, uh, pieces of merchandise or apparel. There are three wrestlers. And Tanahashi is one of them. 
I, well, I'm sure you could guess that Nick Gage is one of them. Yes, of course. Uh, the second one is Effie, uh, whom we love. We do love Effie. We and do. yes, the third is Hiroshi Tanahashi. Uh, it's the ace, dude. I mean, you love know. energy. Hair. Look at the hair. My God. He, he's so posy. You know, you just, you just got to love this guy, you know? Yeah, this was, uh, this was fantastic. It's just such a, a huge boost. And to know he's going to challenge for that IWGP US title. Now, they did not say where. They did not say when. Well, they um, kind of sort of did, actually. And I'll get to that. Oh. And I'll get to that get later. To it right now, please. No, not later. Tell us now. No, no, no. Because no, he talked about it during the, the IWGP US match. So that's why. Uh, so, okay. uh, of course, we had a lot of speculation that he may actually show up for All Out. Mm, I could, oh, please. Yeah, well, ha- hang on to that bit of news. Please bring the ace stateside, damn it. Jay White's already here. Jay White's here right now. He is right here right now. It's true. Our second match of the evening, Santana and Ortiz with Conan versus FTR with Tully Blanchard. And, um... You know, I gotta say, oh, I don't. Proud and powerful's gear. It, their gear was great. I don't think that this match ever got out of second gear, and then we had the injury to Cash Wheeler. I think you're right, and I don't think it's a hundred percent their fault. I do believe it was in part two commercial break selection, and I think that was probably. Once again, this is not the first time this has happened. The biggest knock on what I thought was a far above average episode of AEW Dynamite. Uh, veering on the verge of like good to great uh, was hindered by its commercial timing. The picture in picture really fucked the uh, the momentum of a lot of matches as a viewer. For that me. that much is oh, I, I totally agree with that. But um, at some point, Cash Wheeler, we think the injury came on a spot where he hit the the, the corner of the ring post. Um, his arm was cut open and like he was being tended to on the sidelines. He, he yeah, had arm cut spots are fucking scary, man. I've talked about being at the, uh, at two cup stuff when G Raver, you were there. Oh yeah. I was uh, there. Yeah. And when G Raver cut his arm open, that's, that was one of the scariest things I've ever seen. Well, yeah. Rest, and like, it's, it's unsettling. It, it didn't, and I, I didn't realize, you know, until I watched, actually watched the GCW show, uh, you know, from Saturday that that actually pretty much ended his tattooing career. Yeah, yeah, he uh, doesn't really have the nerves to kind of have that kind of uh, accuracy yeah. anymore. So he, yeah, um, but yeah, a so injury and like uh, Nick Gage. I mean, who we're going to talk about later almost died from an arm cut. Right. So uh, with that in mind, uh, we did die from an arm cut for a few minutes. Right. Um, Literally died. Yeah. Yes. Indeed. Uh, with that in mind, Dax Harwood does get a a brainbuster win over Ortiz again. I think that was an pretty audible. obvious audible. Yeah, this was yeah th- this match wasn't great, but there was it, it turns out there were some extenuating circumstances. So yeah, and and you know obviously they were probably planning on revisiting this one anyway. I didn't think we were done with this. You know the pinnacle inner circle stuff is still in full swing, so I'm sure they'll be able to have a get back pro- provided that Cash is all right and comes back in good enough health. If he's okay by all out, I expect him to uh, to make this one up. But we'll see. All the best to Cash Wheeler. We just hope he's all right, first and yeah, foremost. Yeah, for, for sure, for sure. Uh, we then get a pre As long as he uh, he can make a fist and punch anyone that's fucking with Bret Hart. <laughs> right. Uh, with that, we get a pre-taped backstage promo with uh, Tony Schiavone, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. DMD. And, uh, and Rebel. And it looks like uh, Britt... Uh, did something with her arm or her wrist or something there. Cause... She broke it in that match. Oh, Jesus. She broke it in the match, Uh, was in a cast. Looks like she's in like an air cast now. So it looks like it's healing pretty quick. I don't think it's a very severe fracture. Obviously not missing any time. I didn't expect her to wrestle again until All Out anyway, besides maybe a tune-up or a squash. So let's just keep her out of the ring until All Out. It's fine. Yeah, she's... uh. Let her cut promos. We're good. Yeah, she she does not have the she she has some bad luck as far as injuries. She's she's had some uh, she's been banged up here, but you know what? She's a high effort wrestler. That's gonna happen. Well, I mean, uh, she keeps coming back strong, man. So well, for now, uh, I guess it's not too concerned. She hasn't had any really truly serious injury. Nothing that hasn't healed one hundred percent. Well, I mean, she was out for six months with that leg yeah. break. But I mean, also, one hundred percent though. Right, but also, I mean, let's not forget early days of AEW where uh, B Priestley legit, you know, injured her twice. Oh yeah. So yeah. So yeah. B Priestley, who signed with NXT UK, I think. 
Yes, she has. So she's no longer bli <laughs> blighting stardom or New Japan programming. <laughs> NXT UK is a weird, weird place. Mako Satomura is just chilling there. Yeah, I know. It's wild. Jesus. I mean, get the bag, Mako. I get it, man. She gets to just go chill in England and get paid for a I, while. I get, That's it. Cool. I get it, too, but it just makes She gets to, like, coach a lot. I'm sure she probably wants to coach a lot of the talent there and, like, leave her mark and, like, do legacy stuff and be influential and all that. And she deserves to. She's incredible. She's one of the best wrestlers oh, ever. Oh, yeah. I mean, but, I mean, it just makes me sad that, you know, that Sendai girls got pretty much, you know, co-opted by, by <laughs> WWE. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. We then get a big ass announcement from Tony Schiavone speaking for Tony Khan in which episode two of AEW Rampage will be live from the actual city of Chicago at the Whoa. United Center. Whoa! Uh, spoilers, I will not be at that show. Uh, I, oh, I, I have a friend who told me he's going to buy tickets. Well, I've already got, you know, I, I've just spent mad money for that whole you know, uh, Labor Day weekend jaunt and, you know, <laughs> and cases are back on the rise in the Chicago area too. So, you know, I'm, well, I'm maybe just going to watch out for that Delta variant folks, get your third, fourth, fifth, or even sixth shot. It's yes. fine. Nothing um, can happen to you. If you, okay. So here's what you do. You get, um, all of the needles you can fit into your hands, like all the syringes that you can full of all the vaccine. And then you stick them into your head. Like the death match guys do with the skewers. Oh God. And you just stick them right in there, and you just kind of let them flop around. Speaking of which, we didn't even talk about the fucking syringe. Oh, that wait, you didn't see night two. That's right. I didn't see night two, so oh, yeah, we're, we're not going to oh, talk man. about a syringe spot. No, there are... I draw the line. <laughs> no. Okay. Wow, no. that shit was brutal. No, I first saw that in uh, Kankuro Hoshino did that in in Big Japan. I was like, nope. I, we I we, nope we went through that. ear cartilage, and we went through a nostril. On that one, well, and I've it seen was it go through, I, I, the one in Big oh. Japan went through a cheek. So no. Oh, a cheek! Oh, that's no. so bad. Stop. Okay, we're oh. we're stopping this right here. Oh, that's so gross. Okay, yes. Wrestling is insane, dude. Look at listen to this thing that we're talking about. It's so it's fucking crazy. Uh, so of course CM Punk chants erupt at the Bojangles Coliseum, and then we go. Uh, Why do you have to say? Don't say Bojangles Coliseum to me. Now I'm just thinking of like the cinnamon variant of the bow the bow biscuit. So they have a berry biscuit, but also there's like a cinnamon biscuit. And the cinnamon biscuits, Jeff, mm, those cinnamon biscuits are fantastic. And, and they have the Bose special sauce. A lot of people say Chick-fil-A sauce is the bomb sauce. Bose special sauce is better than Chick-fil-A sauce any day of the week. Yeah, I said it. But so meanwhile, at the Bojangles Coliseum, we go no! backstage. You and, bastard. And uh <laughs> And uh, and we have uh, Darby Allen and Steve Stinger, and uh, Darby Allen makes a uh, none too subtle reference to one Mister uh, Phil Brooks. Yes, he he said, um, "I uh, I I am Darby Allen, and uh, Philip Brooks, aka CM Punk, is going to be here." Yeah, pretty much. I mean, none too none too veiled. So apparently, it's clobbering time on August twentieth. Do you okay? So do you really truly believe that this is it? It's happening. I, I, Are you? Uh, you know what? I, I've learned to not believe anything until it actually happens. It is wrestling. You probably shouldn't. You should believe none of what you see and even less of what you hear. Our third match of the evening, uh, Lance Archer versus Hikuleo with King freaking Haku. Uh, Large men appear uh, in uh, for an IWGP U.S. heavyweight title match. Um, unfortunately, my fire stick decided to crap out on me during this match, so I missed. Too a, many large men appeared. Yeah, I think too many large men, and my my fire stick just couldn't handle it. So, uh, what happened in this match? Uh, it was a pretty good match. Um, I get up to bitch about the picture in picture. The Haku spot came during picture in picture. So when I got physical with Lance Archer happened during picture in picture. I thought that was very unfortunate. Um, but yeah, it was a, t it was a big tall guy match. Um, Hikuleo picking up Lance Archer is a very physically impressive looking thing to happen. Um, and you know, some good pickups and slammies and stuff. Lance Archer gets the W, uh, uh with, with, with what? He waits. With what? Uh, whatever he does. The, the blackout. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, uh, all right. So, <clears throat> let me get into strong That's the thing that he does, the move. All right. Let me get into strong style story mode here. Let me uh, just, before you get into that, let me just say something that I truly believe that I think is important to recognize and understand, especially when it relates to the way 
I analyze wrestling. I truly believe that doing wrestling moves and being good at wrestling moves is the single least important part of being a successful professional wrestler. Mm, boy, that's a, I think there's, boy, that's that's a debate waiting to happen. That. that is a debate waiting I think to that's happen. Just a, I think that's just proven science. Okay. I think all, all of the most important like, or, and influential and most popular wrestlers are like, as far as bell to bell, like mid to above average tier. Like if we're really getting into it, Rock, Austin, and Hogan are all like pretty good wrestlers. Hogan kind of sucks at wrestling. Um, mm. Hogan kind of like he wasn't like good at doing moves or anything. He was just like good at making everything look big. It's not like being a good like I guess being a good wrestler can mean so many different things. I yeah. guess. But okay, doing moves doesn't really matter that much. Is all I'm saying. So back to I, I'm going back onto strong style story mode. Uh, Lance Archer succeeds his uh, his V1 defense of the IWGP US Heavyweight Title. Okay, I'm done with uh, strong style story mode for now. Welcome back. And uh, I guess I missed a two uh, podcasts in one podcast. Viewer, listener, well, you're not viewing anything. If you're if you're viewing this podcast right now, uh, DM me about uh, like how we can like hang out and do the same drugs. <laughs> But, that's the uh, second time you've told this joke I, well i'm still waiting for the dms jeff <laughs> understood um so i guess i missed a cody rhodes and uh, malachi black segment and by which i mean i don't really think i actually missed a cody rhodes and malachi well, here's black segment i think a lot of people missed it jeff because it's so subtle yes this it's so the thing about cody rhodes and malachi black jeff is it's so understated it's an understated, low-key, kind of meditative look at professional wrestling. I think it's a meditation on the concept of pro wrestling. What is pro wrestling? What are you? What am I? Uh, I think it's got a lot of subtext. It has a lot of undertones, Jeff. On that note, a lot did, of did you see the big announcement of what hit Prime this weekend? Uh, yes, yes. I we we I think I DM'd you about it in the first place. Well, I had seen it. I had already seen it by then. But yes, uh, yes. One one Garth Marenghi's Dark Place is now on Amazon Prime. So now all of you can finally understand the the subtext joke. The subtext joke that not only do we keep repeating on this, but also that we beat Excalibur to <laughs> saying. Yeah, um, but we have to keep repeating it because Cody and Malachi Black keep coming out there in the black and white suits. If they keep doing this, I have to keep making that joke. That's There's just right. no way around. But no, it was they had a little beatdown segment. Um, Malachi Black put a vicious kick into uh, Fuego Del Sol. Yeah, I heard head. he ate shit. With... <laughs> uh, yeah, he just absolutely took that guy's fucking head off. So that was pretty cool. Um, look, I think Cody was the perfect first opponent for Malachi Black, and uh, uh, a friend in in a group DM I'm in actually brought this up, like how they were perfect first opponents for each other because you could just imagine malachi black being like yeah i have this really cool idea for like being like evils and villains and like and cody just being like yeah well can i wear a white suit and malachi being like fuck yeah dude awesome <laughs> like, that's exactly like, both these guys have like very similar brains uh... um like, when it comes to like like their wrestling brain is kind of very similar uh in, in a lot of ways for better or for worse, <laughs> they're but like they're like different spectrum of dork, and I think this is why that's working for me. I think this is a fun rivalry. We then get a uh, a a a, uh, a promo from God's favorite champion, from the Redeemer. If you were God and you were analyzing champions, who'd your favorite be? I mean, you know, at this would right it be now, a, would it be the big hot Bulgarian with a double jointed wife? I think it would. At this point, you might be right. Although I mean, although you know, Shingo Takagi is right there, so still mm. Miro. Mm. Our fourth match of the evening: uh, Christian Cage, uh, Jungle Boy, and Luchasaurus versus uh, Private Party and Angelico. Um, and I completely forgot about the Family Feud episode with a bunch of wrestlers on it this past Sunday. I saw that it happened, and I noticed Arquette was there, but I did not watch it. Well, Arquette was apparently the team leader, so yeah, I guess it, it had. Um, I guess the, the the wrestlers in question were Jungle Boy, um, Peter Avalon, uh, R.J. City, who I'm not too intently familiar with, and one Dalton Castle. <laughs> yeah, Dalton Castle looking good out there, King. Yeah, good old, good old, good old Brett. Um, 
So, uh, I thought this was just kind of an okay TV match. I thought it was fine. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it was, it, yeah. It I was, like Angelico. I got to see some Angelico stuff. Cool. It, yeah, it was, a, it was a TV tag match, and it was an, an yeah. okay one. Uh, yeah, it's fine. You know, uh, Christian Cage gets the win, and then uh, he gets brass-knucked by, uh, by the Blade. What a, this was probably the best part of the whole thing, is Blade laid that thing in. He that did. looked really a great camera work on it too. Not getting Blade in till the very last part of the shot. Uh, this was a well put together show too, production wise. Little things like that I thought worked really well. And actually watching Dark and Dark Elevation this week, I really thought they had their shit together on that way too. If you saw the dark the eh, the Dante Martin spot that I posted on the BGTD account, I thought that was really well shot as well. So um, there is a uh, and then afterwards we get a uh, Nick Gage package but i was outside you know taking care of my dog so I well, I speaking of hype packages this. this is fun uh they showed parts of it but the, the, a lot of that stuff was taken from this week's road to fight for the fallen that uh, aew put on their youtube channel i was watching that earlier today and noticed uh in the very blurry background of some nick gage highlights yours truly your boy how your about homie. that Paul Sebastian, you're out blurry, there. You, background, you're Summit, out. Illinois, GCW, Nick Gage, Mance Warner. Oh, God, that, that pick was against Mance? Oh, shit. I may have to see yeah, that match uh, now. Oh, that's a really good match. Yeah, it was, I think that was an NGI? Mm, I think that maybe. was NGI. Maybe it was NGI. Uh, I can't remember. One of the GCW shows in Summit, Okay. the way. It was where they had the they did the fence of light tubes around the ropes in that match. Okay. And uh yeah, it was an absolute banger. Great stuff. So um yeah, so I completely missed that hype package, so I'm gonna go shout go out and Mance. Watch it. Shout out to Mance Warner, yeah. Uh he he had a hell of a weekend. Um hell, light beers and violence, baby. Light beers and lariats. Uh our fifth match of the evening, uh Julia Hart with uh your 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 beautiful baby boy and his idiot cousin. Versus the now officially signed All Elite Thunder Rosa. And allow me to just say, Jeff, about fucking time. Yeah. Uh, like, yeah. I, I'm pretty sure everyone's reaction to the Thunder Rosa signing was, wait, she wasn't signed already? Yeah, I mean, well. Like, come on. I guess she won that, that match in the NWA where, you know, loser cannot leave town. Yeah. <laughs> Loser stay. Loser has to stay for another couple of months and do contract negotiations with Billy Corgan. Yeah, something. Yeah. Oh boy. Oh boy. Um. Yeah. Again, this was another fun little TV match, you know. So you know, Thunder Rosa gets her debut AEW. You know, her debut win as an AEW employee. Yeah, and you know, good for Julia Hart getting a match against Thunder Rosa, getting a little bit of time, and I think Julia has a pretty high ceiling. Yeah, I think that she's obviously very green. She's still pretty new to pro wrestling, but being an accomplished cheerleader is like a pretty good base for pro wrestling. Those athletic skills translate really well. So I think there's a lot there. What I'd like to see is maybe let's give her more of a voice. It was kind of weird that Griff and Pillman cut the promo for her. I didn't see that match that prior to the match, the the, the pre-match promo was entirely spoken by Brian and a little bit of Griff, but not a word from Julia. Let's let, let's give Julia a voice here. Let's yeah, let her kind of, I mean, she's not going to get any better at promos without cutting them. Maybe they want to hold that to dark and dark elevation, but um, I would like to see them kind of develop her in that regard a little more too. No, no, no. I, I totally agree. I think there's a good wrestler in there. Yeah. When, when you put it that way. Yes. Um, and then we go backstage for John Moxley and he uh, buries Hiroshi Tanahashi. <laughs> John's mad. John is in a mood. Boy, John. John oh, so look, so, John just had a kid. John Moxley has probably not slept like a full uninterrupted night in like six weeks. It's Could you imagine? Probably true. Like, do you want to like? I don't really want to encounter John Moxley. Like, not only is he just like all the things that John Moxley normally is, he's also like a little grumpy too. Okay, so we forgot to mention this uh, after saying that we were going to talk about this. So during the IWGP US title match, before my fire stick took a shit, um, they said that the winner will go to New Japan to face they Tanahashi. Did. They said the so, winner's going to the Nuge. So, uh, point of order, 
There is a New Japan show in Los Angeles, actually in Long Beach, on August the 14th. Well, I actually have uh, an answer for you on all this right now. Do you? Uh, yes. Uh, just across the wire, uh, at New Japan Resurgence on August 14th, Aha. looks to add the illustrious title when he challenges Lance Archer. Aha. So that was, I, th- I thought that there was also an outside chance because they're doing a, they're doing a two night Russell Grand Slam show at, in Saitama at the Metal ah. Dome. So I thought maybe Ooh. they might hold it for Is that, that their first show back at Saitama? Uh, yeah. Well, it's their first night and um, it's their first night at this arena since the uh, since the G1 Climax 24 yeah, yeah. final in 2014. So yes, oh, I mean they they've wrestled they I mean they've played Saitama since then, but not right, in yeah, okay. not in you know what used to be called the Cebu Dome. So, right. Okay. So the then, Super Arena. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, the yeah the uh, the MetLife. It's now called the MetLife Dome. So is it? Did MetLife? It's not called Saitama Super Arena. No, it's the MetLife Dome. Fuck that. I'm calling it Saitama Super Arena. No. Nope. Not doing it. Okay. Nope. You do it. I'm holding my stance like JR, not calling him QT Marshall. Well, I'm I, holding my ground. Well, hang on a second here. Are we sure that that's not a. Uh, are, we, are we sure that that's uh, the same? Are we sure that this isn't the same uh, arena? Uh, yes, yeah, Saitama Super Arena, right? No, uh, no, because the the previous one was called the the uh, the Cebu Dome. Oh, so well, Saitama yeah. Super Arena, I think, is the same. I thought you were talking about Saitama Super Arena. Uh, That's a cool. It's just a cool looking venue. It's a cool building. Yeah, no, it. This is no. It's, it's one of those ones I always keep on because aesthetically, it's very cool. Yeah, no, it's a different arena. Ah, okay. So I'm still good because I'm still calling it Saitama Super Arena. Let's move on. <laughs> okay. Rep in, folks. We got some discourse here. Our main event of the Saitama Super Discourse. That's right. Uh, the Pain Maker, Chris Jericho versus. Oh oh, 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 I'm going to let you handle this intro. Go right ahead. All right. I'm probably going to miss some stuff, but representing the Murder Death Kill Gang, representing that Eastern Block Hate Club, uh, uh, R.I.P. Nate Hatred, R.I.P. to his brother Justice Payne. It's MDK all fucking day. The man, the king, the motherfucking god of this shit, Nick fucking Gage. In a in the second labor of Jericho, in a no rules match. Okay, so uh, do we talk this match and then what happened in GCW next, or do we... Probably GCW first. Okay, so... Because I think it ties directly into what happened here. I think we got to start with the start, right? Yeah, so uh, in case you all been under a rock, uh, this weekend at the end of the GCW show, uh, Matt Cardona, who was challenging Nick Gage in, in, in a Nick FKA Gage... FKA Zack Ryder, the Long Island Iced Z, woo, 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 you know it, bro. Um, Won the GCW heavyweight ti- world heavyweight title from Nick Gage after, you know, interference from the, the 4-4-O-H uh, heel stable led by Ricky Shane Page and Atticus Kogar in uh in gcw the ohio guy wrestling stable and um so trash hit the ring like it was bash of the beach 96 afterwards you know fuck around find out etc you know um there was a lot of hand wringing and 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 dave Meltzer calling this an embarrassment to Wrestling. Hang on. Wait, wait, wait. Hang on. Let me finish first. Without laughing at Dave Meltzer calling anything an embarrassment to wrestling. Continue. Yes. Well, I mean, I get that. No, I'm going to directly address this. Um, Now, I'm going to say this is that the, the, the one bit of criticism I will agree with is that, yeah, people shouldn't be throwing shit because because fans fans could get hit with this. Fans do have a reasonable expectation of leaving the arena in one piece, you know. Of course, yeah. I don't so. think anybody's arguing for. I don't think anyone's going. Oh, the fans know the risks if they get fucking murked. That's on them. I didn't see a lot of that take. Right. I don't think that's the sentiment that's against the don't throw things sentiment. Right. Is that fair? 
yeah, but I mean, you know, again, I mean, and, and you know, the performers can get hurt too, you know, and no, that's fair. This you know, is a fair and, and they're just there to do their job. So now, uh, what I what I will say uh, in contrast to that is, yes, you should you should not throw. I would say certain objects, and I don't think stuff throwing should be a regularity at any point in time in wrestling for a lot of reasons. One. It's just a pain in the ass to, like, clean up after for everybody. It's just kind of mean, like, especially at small indie shows. Like, you shouldn't have an expectation of, like, guys who already aren't getting paid enough and or aren't getting paid at all having to clean up after you because you wanted to, like, fucking pop you and your friends by throwing a cup or whatever. Um, I don't think it should be regular. Obviously, you shouldn't throw heavy objects. You shouldn't throw anything that would reasonably you would expect to injure somebody by throwing. Now, if you throw a wadded up piece of paper an empty solo cup, one of those real light ice mountain water bottles, something like that. And it's like one of these type of moments, which we have to address that that moment in that show, stuff like that doesn't happen often, Jeff. This is not like a thing you see on wrestling every week. No, no, this and, is a rare and, occurrence. And I, and I agree. And that's what a rare moment and, and people in rare form kind of on all sides of it. It all kind of was a perfect storm for this to happen. And also, not even the first time this has happened in the last 18 months, uh, I was at Run Ricky Run in February 2020 where they probably threw even more shit at Ricky. Right. Okay. Like, I feel like no one's brought that up, but, like, GCW fans been throwing shit when they're mad, dude. It's not that big. Like, it's not that bad. And it's not obviously not as bad as the, the biggest detractors were playing it out to be. Right. And I, I'm going to say this, though, is that... It, on the one hand, people were complaining about this and how this incident is a, you know, in the whole Matt Cardona thing in GCW is a blight on wrestling. At, well, at the same time, complaining how no wrestler can draw heat and, right. you know, so, so we, 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 we went back to the good old days when, you know, the, the heels were hated. This was it. <laughs> this was yeah, exactly I, I, it. Duh. Fuck yeah, dude. Like we and we've talked about this on this podcast before. Like, yeah, what do you want? You can't just have these like cool heels that are likable and then also want this real heat. This is what it fucking looks like, man. It looks like this. What else do you think it would look like? Right, and, and you know the thing is, is that you know seeing that as I was going to bed on on Saturday night and then waking up Sunday morning and oh god, the discourse about the New Japan Dome show and evil coming to challenge Shingo and how, oh, you know, Gato is, is an awful booker and why are we doing this? I'm like, okay, so you all have complained how stale the main event scene is at the top. New Japan has given you three, count them, three brand Autumn. new champions in 2021. You have a new title match in Shingo Takagi versus Evil. Where there's also some unfinished stable, you know, ex-stablemate business there. And right, y'all so bitch you have about a, it. You have a new feud with potential to grow and get better. These are the things that should excite wrestling fans. I couldn't agree with you more. And like with Matt Cardona winning this, spoiler, Matt Cardona wins this belt uh, from Nick Gage. He wins the GCW world title in a death match against Nick Gage, obviously with help from 440. But this is like a thing that, you know, upsets the balance and shocks the world, turns things upside down gets more eyes on them and captivates people and keeps you, you know, engaged and involved in this storyline. So I don't really know what else you could ask for as far as if you want to heal the hate and you want to boo a bad guy and cheer a good guy. I think Nick and uh, Matt Cardona gave you everything you'd want in that regard. Right. I, I say, to, 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 to the fans out there who, who might've been criticizing this whole turn of events from, from across the, the, the realm of professional wrestling, what the fuck is it you want? Just tell me, what is it you want? <laughs> you know, trying to ask wrestling fans that question will probably upset your uh, your mental balances and your state of mind uh, in, in, in very negative ways. Wrestling fans don't know what the fuck they want. They never have, and, and we probably never will, right? I think I probably don't know what I want as a wrestling fan a lot of times, too. I, I try to keep that focus, but it's... The thing is, and we talked about this earlier in the show, wrestling can be so many different things. So I think it's hard to put a finger on you want, on what you want sometimes. And I don't necessarily always blame fans for that. But to be terminally unsatisfied with this thing that you act like you enjoy or that is a hobby or some people can even claim it's a passion of theirs. But to 
only examine it through a lens of constant negativity and dissatisfaction, why? Why are you doing this? Well, Watch something else. Do something else. Do anything else. Like, if you just don't like it, that's fine. Just say, I don't like it anymore. If you're just, like, grew up and you decided that, hey, wrestling isn't for me anymore, that's cool. I took a very long break from wrestling in my life for, like, half of it. Like, from 2001 to, like, 2014, I didn't watch a fucking lick of pro wrestling. It was not a time for me. I got back into it, and now I really enjoy it. If I stop enjoying wrestling, this podcast is over, Jeff. I'm not going to keep fucking doing it. I'm just going to stop watching. I'll do something else. But oh, boy. I think this is good. I enjoy wrestling. I like watching it. You know, let me introduce you to comics fans sometimes because, oh, God. Yeah. Well, again, I think I told you. I mean, I, I, I told you, and I'm going to say this. There is a very big reason why I do not actively engage with Doctor Who fandom anymore. And this is something I've been into probably longer, definitely longer than wrestling, possibly longer than comics, if I had to <laughs> quantify it by year, you know? Oh, I mean, yeah, and I understand that this issue that we're talking about is not unique to the wrestling fandom. Fandoms can tend to be like this, but I feel like there really is a solution here on the, on the horizon for pro wrestling in the changing landscape of the makeup of its fandom now. I think we're bringing new fans in at a better rate than wrestling ever has before. And we have to keep that up. I think it's important to, to bring in new fans and bring in new perspectives and people that maybe thought that they weren't welcome before have to know that they are welcome now so that we kind of get this attitude out of there in the first place. We need to get all this sour, stale motherfuckers out of here and get those fresh faces, fresh opinions, fresh voices and people that really enjoy this thing really are here to have fun with it and to converse about it and to engage about it. Like that's what we like to do with, you know, our handful of listeners here and, you know, people that have, you know, tuned into my Twitch stream or anything that I've done content wise. That's why I do it. I want to encourage conversation and it's why I like doing content about wrestling so we can open up more dialogue, you know, and, and if we're only talking about what sucked or what we're not happy with or what's wrong with it, that shit gets so boring so fast, man. Yeah, no, I, I feel you, but we also have to wrap up wrap this up because i'm like way over time now <laughs> so um, all right so the point is nick gage is in a death match with chris jericho and oh my god we have an actual 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 death match on aew program. pretty damn close we, we pulled out like a pretty good portion of the gcw bag of tricks right down to the pane of glass between two folding chairs <sighs> we got the pizza cutter we got light tubes jeff we got light tubes on tnt dude we, we, we got light to we got green mist from chris jericho green mist this match had a lot um and i thought that uh you know it had a little bit of a, a slow start i think nick took a second to get over his nerves there yeah i mean you can't Just really a little bit you can't really blame moment. him yeah, yeah really. huge moment huge environment but once the weapons came out he got right into his comfort zone and i thought he was a fucking star from that point forward oh, man. found the hard cams his facial expressions the crowd play just the violence he was selling man he really nailed this one home dude i this was not a, an easy thing for nick gage to come in and do and i thought he knocked it out of the fucking park we live in a world now where we had a a television wrestling program that featured in one night, Nick Gage and Hiroshi Tanahashi. On this, it's like I booked this. It's like I smoked three and a half bowls and was like, hey, I got an idea, dude. You did, didn't you? I mean, I did smoke three and a half bowls, but this was not my idea. <laughs> uh, Chris Jericho does get the win after a, uh, a Judas effect. Because, again, the green mist. it doesn't matter how many weapons you have. Nothing. Nothing can stop the most devastating move in all of professional wrestling. And then uh, <laughs> and then MJF announces the third labor of Jericho. Oh, I'm sorry. Did MJF announce something? Did something happen after this? Yes. Did something happen? Yes, he did. Did something happen that could possibly like continue for me to be excited even after seeing a Nick Gage match on national TV? Did something happen there, Jeff? You'd be surprised. Do uh, tell. Do tell. The third labor of Jericho involves Jericho can only win by doing a move off the top rope, and the match will be against one, Juventud Guerrera. The Juice! Let's fucking go! Well, you, you, you pegged out your mic so bad it didn't catch that. <laughs> Hell yeah. What I, what I said was the Juice, let's go. I was very excited. Um, I am very excited. Juventud, one of my favorite wrestlers of all time, since I was a, a, young, a young tyke. 
since I was a lad watching the cruiserweights in 96 and 97. Um, he, he's incredible. Uh, recently I got to see him wrestle in AAW pre pandemic. One of my favorite moments being at a wrestling show, uh, was watching Juventude Guerrero in street clothes and his mask scouting around the Logan square auditorium for shit to jump off of. So like, he was like walking up to the DJ table and like shaking it and like tapping it and testing it for integrity and like going over to different spots and like looking up at stuff. And he, at one point I could tell he was looking at the balcony, like, I wonder if I could, but then ultimately decided against it. He did end up going with jumping off the bar, which I thought was great because I was standing near there. (laughs) And with that, we end Fight for the Fallen 2021 and our run of special edition episodes. So rejoice, BTS Army, because our regular theme music will be back next week. The most normal boys in wrestling podcasting returning to normalcy. You'll love to see it. Paul, go ahead and plug yourself. You can follow me on Twitter at CoolStepUncle or on Twitch at twitch.tv slash thickflare. Of course, you can follow this podcast on Twitter at BGTD Podcast. That's BGTD Podcast and all of the other podcasts on the PWOM Podcast Network. And one quick side plug. Our great friend of this podcast, who we've had on recently, Harry Mack, um, recently joined up with the Bro Cards podcast over at a card show in uh, in Fishtown. They did a YouTube video on it. Check out thebookiesbasement.com to get to that. A bookies Basement on YouTube and a Bro Cards podcast. They did a really fun video from a card show. I thought it was great. Check that out. Uh, you can find me at Strong Style Story without the E in style on uh, Twitter. Uh, the uh, my personal Twitter is at gdwessel 2 ss one l and the Kickstarter has three more days left. Um, we've already been funded, but we have stretch goals. So, stretch those goals, folks. One of what one of which has been unlocked. So, uh, go get yours, and uh, you have three stretch days to go. Those goals, Paul. Any of the last words? <laughs> MDK all fucking day. What do you mean? We'll see you next week. <laughs>